too darn hot It's too darn hot I'd like to sup With my baby tonight Refill the cup With my baby tonight I'd like to sup With my baby tonight Refill the cup With my baby tonight But I ain't up to my baby tonight Cause it's too darn hot Hello, everyone. Welcome to another DMV Comic Book Nerds podcast. Today, we are reviewing Riverdale Season 7, Episode 6, Chapter 123, Peep Show. I'm Freddie. And I'm Kennedy. And we are just two Riverdale fans who have come together to discuss this final season with all of you. Really quickly, uh, if you like this podcast, please like, rate, and subscribe and review us on your app of choice. Um, I might say that again later. <laughs> <laughs> it's all, it always bears repeating. And also comment, tell us where you disagree, please. Yeah. Yes. All right. Let's get into the news. I got some big news for everybody. Uh, last week, I started an Instagram page for DMV Comic Book Nerds. Woo! So if anyone's on Instagram, please uh, like us, follow us, you know, check us out. Um, maybe we'll follow you back. I did say we will definitely follow back the first 20 people who give us a follow. But uh, so far, no one has really followed us yet. So, Oh, you, you got to take that chance to get more Instagram clout. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we hope to see you over there on Instagram. Um, we're also on Twitter and uh, Reddit and just kind of around the Internet. <laughs> But let's also talk about the big news in um, the entertainment industry. So, uh, I think a day or two ago, the Writers Guild Association is officially on strike. So there's a strike for all the writers in Hollywood and movies and TV. And yeah, we haven't had one like since 2007, I think. Yeah, wow. That's that's a really long time ago. I didn't realize it had been that long. Yeah, do you remember that one? I know that it affected, or I don't know if this was the one that affected Gossip Girl, but I know that there was a writer's strike that affected Gossip Girl. It might have um, been it. Like, it was that. I, I know it affected The Office. Um, that was really notable thing at the time. Um, and a lot of other shows, too, and movies. Um, but most importantly, uh, it affects the writers. Like, writers deserve living wages. They deserve, you know, benefits and residuals. I think most regular people are supporting the writers. It's just the CEOs of these companies that don't want to give them what they're owed. But it's so crazy because, like, um, this is the first writer strike since streaming really became a thing. Yeah, a lot of, a lot has changed since 2007 for sure, including I think I saw that one of the um side issues that they were talking about with the strike was was the introduction of of AI into writing. Oh my um, goodness, yes. AI is really a threat to writing and art, visual arts and all and and music and so many forms of creativity like I don't know why people 
so excited about it. I guess they can get away with uh, not paying people. Yeah, I mean, when, what's interesting is I think that, you, like, especially with how where AI is at right now, is it up to the quality of what a human can produce? Absolutely not. No, especially like a trained, creative, um, an accomplished person who's been doing this for a really long time. Can it churn out stuff, especially stuff that's aggregated from from already existing, already human made content? Yeah. And that's that's really interesting to me. I think that, like, it is really cool to play around with these tools and see what they're capable of. But, like, I, I used to joke, and I think I've made this joke before on the podcast, um, that, like, I thought that Riverdale was made by an AI. But honestly, having played around with, with some of these tools and seeing what other people are doing with them, I don't think it is capable of even coming up with, with this level of originality. As... Well, here's the thing. Like, um, it might not be at that level now, but technology has grown exponentially, you know, over the recent years so like who knows it could be 10 years five years a year from now where the technology is better than it is today and i think the real thing we need to look at in our society is like you know technology is supposed to make life easier like it's supposed to we're supposed to have robots do the jobs that we don't want to do not the jobs that we actually want to do. <laughs> like, this is so backwards to me where where they're using robots and AI to make life worse for people. And what's also a bummer is that when technology is able to replace people's jobs, it's not like you could just get to sit back and relax and, and work less and all that stuff. Right. It's just that you don't get any money anymore. And yeah. now you're you're really in jeopardy. And so, I mean, not to get all, you know, and I don't need to get into the politics of it, but it is definitely disappointing that that technology and people's livelihoods have to be pitted against each other. Because in an ideal world, we would be able to use one to improve the other. Agreed. Um, let's hit our next couple of news points and uh, so we can get into the episode. Um I do want to mention that it looked like there was a ratings drop for Riverdale. Like it's, it seems to be one of the lowest rated shows on the CW. Uh, I was looking at the stats for um, the last episode, um, Tales in the Jugular Vein, and it was kind of low. I was kind of disappointed. I'm like, what happened to all the people who used to watch the show? Where are they? Yeah, I mean, I feel like I know so many people and like sort of endearingly call them normies who <laughs> like watched season one of Riverdale and then like watched season two and three as well. And they're always like, oh, season one was good, but season two and three, it went totally off the rails. And I'm like, you thought season one, like, <laughs> I don't know. I just, I think I'm watching it very differently than they are, which is how we mm -hmm. have those different perspectives. But at the same time, I... I don't really get it because to me, season one, it's like a lesser version. It doesn't bring as much of the fun as some of these later seasons do, but I can still see it hinted in season one. There's still some crazy stuff happening in season one. I mean, it's natural for a, a show of more than three seasons to have people drop off. Mm -hmm. uh, usually after the third season, that's usually like the peak season for a lot of shows. But, um, you know, I just feel like it's a good show. 
I enjoy talking about it with you and everyone else who is currently watching it. So, like, yeah, let's spread the word and try to get people to watch it again. I know that when season six was airing, it seemed like all the it seemed like Riverdale was making headlines with its bizarre, crazy plots. Like, oh, now they have superpowers. Now Archie's dead, but now he's back. <laughs> <laughs> Like, uh, <laughs> but like, I don't know if they can kind of grab those headlines as much, um, but we'll see. Um, but I hope that despite the writer's strike and the ratings drop, I really hope we get the rest of this final season as planned. And I hope that the writers and cast and crew that they all, you know, get suitably rewarded and compensated. And, uh, yeah, I'm just, we're here for it regardless. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, we're cheering for you, Riverdale. So I do have another piece of news. I I don't like to get spoiled on stuff, but I did happen to notice that Tabitha and Reggie are apparently coming back in episode eight. Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited. Yeah. They have definitely made us wait. But, uh. Yeah, it's only uh, two more episodes. And one more thing of note. Um, I was doing some research on my guy, Bernie, the guy I've constantly been accusing of being the milkman. Um, (laughs) Turns out that the actor who plays Bernie Burstein, his name is Jesse Goldwater. And he's actually the son of Archie Comics CEO, John Goldwater. Huh. And he's actually been on the show before. Um, he had a bit role in in season one as a soda jerk. And then in season three, he was a dealer at um, some kind of a card game um, having to do with like Hiram and some mob bosses. Oh, yeah. One of those plot lines. <laughs> <laughs> so it's cool that he's got to come back to the show and get maybe a bigger role we'll see um and that's it for the news anything you'd like to add no i think i think we're ready to go into the episode all right so this episode was written by ted sullivan who has been a producer and writer since season four and directed by amy myrold interestingly i have not seen any directing credits for her but she has been a producer on Riverdale since season one. And she has some other producing credits on um, Sabrina and Katie Keene. So if this is her first time directing, then uh, congratulations. Good job. You know, I didn't notice any huge differences. No, not at all. It matched the Riverdale style perfectly. Yeah. All right. So here is a quick little episode summary. At her wit's end over Archie's recent actions, Mary turns to Uncle Frank to get him back on track. Meanwhile, Betty asks Veronica for help understanding her sexuality. Elsewhere, Jughead takes action after he discovers plagiarism taking place at Pep Comics, and Cheryl and Tony's budding attraction catches the attention of some river vixens. Now, if you don't mind too much, I would love to start with the Betty and Veronica plot, because... I have a lot of hot takes. Sure, let's do it. (laughs) Um, I will say that I'm not very surprised to hear that this episode was written by a man. Not necessarily (laughs) a negative thing, but 
um, when Veronica is giving Betty advice and she's saying, oh, you know, like some perfume makes me feel like sexy. Some high heels make me feel sexy. But my big secret is dot, dot, dot. I was thinking confidence. <laughs> uh, but she said lingerie, like wearing lingerie <laughs> in your day to day. I've never heard of anything so crazy in my entire life. That shit is not comfortable. I would not wear it at school either. I mean, I, I did I notice just... that. Like, I was wondering, like, is it comfortable? No, it's not. <laughs> it's not. It looks just as uncomfortable as you, or it feels just as uncomfortable as it looks, I should say. Um, and I, I, this is also coming from someone who who never wears high heels or perfume either. So I'm probably not the person to ask. But well, you, you know, it was funny though. I saw a tweet. I think they were saying, "Is this some kind of multi-level marketing scheme of Veronica's?" <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would have been funny. <laughs> yeah, Betty, do you want to help me actually like sell some uh, some lingerie? Be a be your own. CEO, <laughs> like, be your own she wolf of Wall She's Street? definitely done that stuff before. It wouldn't be a surprise. <laughs> I think that it would be really fun if Veronica became an MLM girly, yeah, Avon girl. I think she she almost did something like that when she was wearing like the pink and like when she was married to Chad. I don't know, but uh... <laughs> yeah, her 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 stocks stuff didn't seem super above board, did it? Mm-mm. <laughs> But yeah, um, uh, yes. Any other uh, initial hot takes about uh, this plot line? Well, obviously, and we're going to touch on this later, that Cheryl and, and Tony um, kind of finally really start their romance in this in this episode. But I kind of thought there was, and I'm a big, I don't know what the, the ship name would be, Vetti. I, I'm very <laughs> I think it's Veronica. Veronica. Veronica? Yeah. With the okay. Bees. Good to know. I'm very pro that. Uh, I've always been disappointed that, that after they kissed in the, in the pilot episode and there was this swell of music and everything and nothing happened ever again. Um, <laughs> because I think, I don't know. I just think they've got a great connection and it's fine for them to just be friends. But obviously Riverdale places a lot of emphasis on relationships. And also I think they kind of have some chemistry. And I thought they had some chemistry in this episode. Um, especially because I was like, okay, Veronica, so excited to see Betty in lingerie, whatever, you know. All right. So let us let me give a little bit of context on uh, this plot. Um, it starts at school. Um in the girls' locker room, Betty asks Veronica what sex is like. And I thought this next bit was interesting because then Veronica admits that she's a virgin. And I kind of am reminded, like, at the beginning of this show, season one, most of these characters were not virgins. You know, their innocence was taken, especially, like, with Archie. Like, um, like that was a big part of the plot with Miss Grundy and all that. And then, um, so, I, I'm, I'm really kind of intrigued by the choices this season has, this show has made in the final season to, to show a more innocent version of these characters. Yeah, it's also very funny to see two obviously grown women, great actresses, but two women who do not look like uh, high school virgins <laughs> talking about being high school virgins, but um, <laughs> well, yeah, it's definitely even- an interesting choice. Yeah, if their ages aren't realistic, I do think the uh, the plot 
is a little more realistic. At least for me, like, I mean, I was not having sex in high school. I know some people do, but uh, I wasn't. No, me neither. So when I see it on TV, I'm like, "Mm, I don't relate to that. (laughs) But, um, you know, everyone has their own experiences. Another thing that she said that I liked was when she said, you don't have to have sex to be sexy. I'm like, okay, Veronica. (laughs) Sounds kind of wise. (laughs) Um, But then she went on to talk about all the other stuff that you said is kind of doesn't ring true so <laughs> i mean it it probably works for some people and that definitely seems like like veronica's kind of thing um and you know everyone's always dressed extremely well at, at riverdale high so. especially veronica like she's always <laughs> dressed to the nines like remember when she had all those pearls and had like a pearl tiara on top of that <laughs> yes she's never seen without her her pearls which is <laughs> such a fun trait for a 15 year old mm-hmm and um, so that's where she invited Betty over to the Pembroke to try on some lingerie. And this whole conversation has spurred because the night before, Betty saw Archie shirtless through her window, mm. uh, as she often does. Um, again, we're back to the classic window from episode one. Like, like they, they, they keep bringing it back. Um, they this time they played like this weird song. Like, did you? I couldn't even figure out what song it was, but it sounded a lot more modern than something from the fifties. Did you notice that? Yeah, the, the all the music in this in this episode is actually quite curious as to whether or not some of it was from the fifties because, well, and we're going to talk about this later. But the song that plays when Tony's trying out for the cheerleading team, yeah, I was like, is that from the fifties? I couldn't tell. I think it was, but that one I think is like a remix mm-hmm. version of something from the, like uh the song that played during that scene is called It's Too Darn Hot. And that's there's a version by Ella Fitzgerald that's pretty popular, but I think they were playing like a remixed version of it. Interesting. So we'll talk about that more later. Do you want to continue with the Betty Veronica plot or do you want to Yeah, hop? yeah, definitely, definitely. So okay. we go to the Pembroke and Betty's a little embarrassed. Yeah. Which is crazy because she looks amazing. Right. <laughs> and so v, uh, Veronica gives her a lot of uh, encouragement. She says she looks like Betty Page. And then she teaches her some kind of sexy amf- affirmation. She's like, I am the most beautiful, powerful woman in the world. <laughs> Veronica's such a, she's such a like, feminist empower like and I'm saying this kind of half jokingly but also just like I do think and I said this before I think it's cute that they're friends and I love that they're just like building each other up and especially where they come from in the comics always fighting each other mm-hmm. um but also I'm like Betty come on look at yourself <laughs> right right like she keeps doubting herself like last episode she was like I'm the ugliest girl in school no one talks to me without a nice hairdo. You hate my ponytail. I know. I was like, Betty, you're as you should know by now, your ponytail is iconic and beautiful. Right. Like we love it. You look amazing. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> like she shouldn't have gotten that beehive. That's what killed her. Mm-mm. All those spiders. <laughs> oh my goodness. But um I wanna find the quote what she said at the Pembroke. Cause it was pretty interesting. Okay, here it goes. 
She said, look at yourself. Look at your beautiful body and repeat after me. I am a gorgeous, powerful, sexy siren at the height of my womanly powers. And may God have mercy on the boys of Riverdale High. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, go Veronica. Okay. Uh, I love her. <laughs> and like, she has invoked God twice now. Like, this episode with that line. And then last episode, do you remember? She was like, maybe that's why God made high school a place where boys can chase girls and girls can chase boys and <laughs> god is certainly very invested in high school in veronica's uh interpretation yeah she's like the religious philosopher <laughs> of <Riverdale> high <laughs> but anyway um so next time we see betty and veronica they're at the school lockers and betty admits to veronica that she's interested in archie so Veronica uh, rushes Betty to the student lounge and makes her ask Archie out while she still has the confidence. And so Betty does it. She talks to Archie. Um, and he, he says he would love to take her out to the movies. But unfortunately, his uncle Frank is in the way of all that. Yes, so, as we'll talk about later. Mm-hmm. And Veronica has to console Betty about this because Betty's very upset. She she thinks that Archie was just making an excuse. But Veronica's like, well, what's the tr- what if it's the truth? You know? And um, in, in the meantime, they decide to go check out Stonewall Prep and see if there's any boys over there that they can date. The very fun little backstory that Stonewall Prep used to be an all-boys school. I'm not surprised. Like, I went to a high school that for most of its history, was an all-boys school. But by the time I went there, it was co-ed. And, um, yeah, it was a private school. Like, I think that, I think that's pretty common. Interesting. Uh, I actually went to, to an all-girls school for high school. Mm-hmm. But we, my city still had a lot of, um, same, same-sex, uh, high schools. And, well, actually, like, same-sex all, all of, um, uh, from from like preschool to, to through high school um institutions mm-hmm. um so but none of them i don't think any of them had gone co-ed or that there were any co-ed schools that had formerly been a one uh, single sex schools but um yeah very cool little backstory i gotta say yeah i was a little disappointed because i was wondering if we we're gonna see brett make a return as like one of the boys yeah but he didn't it was just two uh two randos two no offense guys boring boring rando stonewall prep guys and yeah. they talk about uh why betty isn't on her her parents dance show that i <laughs> i guess uh i didn't know that they had that yeah but there th- that was important exposition because i think we'll see more of that next episode that's that's also why I assumed that was there, <laughs> um, but it didn't. The date didn't go that well. Betty says she didn't have any uh, butterflies. Yeah, and I think she was looking out the window at Archie. <laughs> yeah, that's what she was doing instead. Veronica finds out about the uh, window situation and asks to come see for herself, which is a very funny request. <laughs> yeah, she's <was> very excited. <laughs> so they uh, go 
wait in the window um, and they watch Archie undress with more uh, great gratuitous scenes of KJ Appa's uh, glistening abdomen um, <laughs> and so on. Uh, but he sees them <laughs> and he closes his curtains. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, I love how Veronica calls them peeping patties. And uh, she even mentions the movie Rear Window from 1954, starring Jimmy Stewart and uh, Grace Kelly. Uh, yeah. Are you familiar with that movie? I'm not. Uh, it's a pretty classic film. I haven't seen it, but I, I, I remember I learned about it first when, when, when The Simpsons spoofed it. Um, and it's basically about peeping through windows at your neighbors, you know. <laughs> Which happens a lot in this show. But it turns out to be like a murder that he witnesses, I think. Oh, okay. Well, maybe that'll happen too. <laughs> those also happen a lot in this show. True. Um, so, yeah. So, like I said, Archie caught them. He closed his curtains. But then the next day at school, Archie approaches them. And he it's awkward because they're talking about him as soon as he approaches but then he asks if he can speak to Betty privately. And surprisingly, he says that he liked being seen by them. And then he and Betty make a late night window date. Since, <laughs> since they can't go out, he's like, but I will be home late at night. Right across from you. <laughs> and they are super excited for this window date. Um, yeah, and that's how we get our our closing scene of of the episode this is very fun um them (laughs) both undressing in front of their their windows so i gotta say um during this scene they chose the song called smoke rings by les paul and mary ford and i thought this was a more appropriate choice it was very 50s very uh it kind of really established the mood. Um, although the scene was wild. Like for everyone who saw the scene in the promo, I was waiting the whole episode. Like, how are they going to get to this? Like, <laughs> like nothing in the episode. I mean, beyond Betty and Veronica's, you know, silly peeping stuff. Archie was not very involved in it, you know, up until the very end. He was like, you know what? I'm into this. Let's do it. <laughs> and his plot took a complete 180 from where it was going. Well, he needed to relieve some of his stress, I suppose, which I could guess, uh, yeah, lead yeah. us into the the the, uh, and the next plot line. But I guess we should mention very quickly that they do get caught. Yes. Uh, Betty and Archie. Archie get caught respectively by Hal and Frank. Yes. Not ideal. That was hilarious. Like, of course it would have to end that way. I was almost surprised that it wasn't Alice. But Oh yeah. That would it's almost more awkward for it to be Hal. Yeah. And I wonder if they're going to be introducing more Hal plot lines now or if he's going to be because you know, we've not seen a ton of Hal, and I feel like even before even though Hal was like supposed to be the big bad villain we didn't see a ton of him before either especially relative to how much we saw of Alice again that's why I've always said I feel like they just picked him out of the hat because he was like in the background 
you know, like it was, <laughs> I don't, oh, yeah, I don't really think that they set him up to be the killer all along. But I totally agree with that. I totally agree with that. Um, but, he, but here we are at season seven, and now we're still wondering: is he a killer? <laughs> yeah, did those did those serial killer genes? Although he doesn't have them apparently. Uh, <laughs> but whatever's wrong with him is it still wrong with him? <laughs> right. <laughs> Only time will tell. But um, yeah, so I but guess I, we've got Archie. Just, mm, go ahead. I was just wondering, like, how did they both know the bust in there at the same time? Like, were they outside looking up at the window like, what is going on up there? <laughs> Their dad senses were tingling, I yeah. guess. <laughs> dad and uncle, yeah. Ugh. So let's get into that plot with Archie and Uncle Frank. So um, at the beginning of the episode... Um, Archie's with Uncle Frank in the garage and Uncle Frank is being a hard ass <laughs> and then he compels Archie to apologize to Mary he says I'm sorry mom I'll be a better son you know I'm trying to do better and she's like "I, oh, it's okay Archie I believe you and then at school uh, they're in Principal Featherhead's office and Archie is saying how he wants to be a better student. He says something that I thought was hilarious. He said, I want to be at least a B student. (laughs) (laughs) He says it so seriously. Like, oh my God, Archie. Hey, you know, I guess this is before grade inflation, but we also know that Archie's not um, academically inclined. Right, right. So it was at this point where I was like, Riverdale often does this thing where one of the characters will be gaslighting one of the other characters. But then they always leave enough doubt where it's like, do they have a point, though? <laughs> <laughs> so, so well, this is interesting to talk about. Are you on Frank's side or are you who, who, who do you think is in the right here? I mean, I'm definitely on Archie's side, but I just feel like, well, you know, maybe his grades were slipping. And, and there was that big mess with Cheryl and her family, you know, like. <laughs> and then there's another mess at the end of the episode so you know he does cause a little bit of trouble but um did he have to be treated the way he was treated throughout this episode i don't think so yeah especially considering you know after uh principal featherhead and frank decide that frank should be the basketball coach at school um yeah. frank then decides that archie has to be on the team mm-hmm. archie doesn't want to be on the team and then frank's like okay well you can be the water boy then i was mm-hmm. like i don't you kind of you shouldn't make him do an extracurricular school is one thing but but on the other hand Frank ended up being right. Like he was right about Archie probably benefiting by being on the basketball team, but he was wrong about why he needed to be on the team or like how he needed to get over his dad's uh, passing. Like, you know, like he was grieving his dad. Like that's what we come to find out later on. Yeah. Like, they used to play basketball together. That was their thing. His dad was like famous, uh, in, in the town for his basketball skills, I guess. And for the fact that he was a veteran who um, died at war. But, um, you know what I'm saying? I just feel like Archie was struggling to live up to that legacy. And in a way, 
the fact that his uncle and mom were trying to help him overcome that is a good thing, but Frank just has the totally wrong approach. <laughs> well, and Frank's, uh, this is, I think, maybe the, the worst thing Frank does is this next scene where Archie goes into the garage and his hot rod is gone. And yeah. Frank tells him that he's hidden Archie's car until his grades are better. Um, and so now he has to, you know, walk to school or bike to school or take the bus uh, or you can ride with him, but you just got to get to school somehow, especially since he's got to get his, his grades up and he's got to go be a water boy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, I kind of feel like if he's like fixing up his car, that's like a useful skill. Yeah, I mean, like there was nothing really wrong. I, I don't think with him, um, you know, fixing up his car, his hot rod, you know, I mean, his mom was definitely concerned about that in the season premiere and. You know, it's just maybe it's a 50s thing that hot rods are lead to bad behavior. Yeah, hot rods lead to like degeneration. <laughs> <laughs> like like absinthe for the for the Fonda Siakla. It's like hot rods make you crazy. <laughs> um, but yeah, also kind of funny. And I mean, like, I guess we we do see Hal, Hal at the end, but um of all of all of our characters archie's the only one who's really having like any sort of oversight from his parents right now yeah and like and then on top of being the water boy on the basketball team then frank comes back and tells archie that he got him a job pumping gas at pops um and there was also a scene where they play a song by Johnny Cash called Lead Me Father, where Archie is kind of just, you know, thinking about his dad. Um, I'm kind of curious as to how much the licensing for that song cost, because Johnny Cash was a pretty, like, well-known entity. Yeah. And um, that was an interesting scene, because not only is Ar- Archie thinking about his dad, but at the same time, Jughead is thinking about his dad. We'll talk more about that later. But um, so now Archie has to pump gas at Pops and Julian drives up and, of course, gloats about how now Archie has to serve him. Um, and that's while Betty and Veronica are on their dates. And then Pops comes out and brings Archie some coffee and they talk about Fred and Pops calls him a true hero. And Archie agrees. Like, yeah, he was. And um, I thought that was a sweet scene. Yeah, that's that's definitely touching. Like Pops is always like, uh, you know, just always has a kind word for everybody. And they kind of hammer it home. And the next scene as well, um, Mary's like asking Archie why he doesn't want to play basketball because he enjoyed it so much before. And he's like, yeah, exactly. It's because I enjoyed it so much when I was playing it with with my dad. And uh, it reminds him of, of Fred. And so she encourages him. And she also says that she's going to ask Frank to ease up on him, which is probably the right decision. Well, we skipped over a scene where mm-hmm. Julian mocks Archie at school. And then Archie starts pushing him. They start pushing each other and they fight. And before you know it, uh, they have to go to the principal's office and, and, and Frank and Mary have to deal with it but mary shows up and that's where she tells frank to back off let her handle it 
Mm-hmm. So that's when she went to go talk to Archie. And, you know, um, I, I appreciate Mary um, taking back control of the situation. Like, uh, it's, of course, in the 50s, you know, women weren't given a lot of, uh, you know, respect to run a household. So it's unfortunately, that's why Frank is here, I guess, to be to show Archie how to be the man of the house. But. I, but Mary's the boss, really, though. Yeah, and it's good to see her reassert that because you know Frank was kind of using that that verbiage as you as you say. Um, and although it's hard to remember looking at KJ Apa, Archie is supposed to be in high school. I mean, um, he is a dad in real life. Like Archie is. <laughs> I mean, KJ Apa is a daddy. Archie is a boy. But. Archie, Archie is a boy, and he's a boy who is getting C's, apparently. <laughs> if if and, that, maybe he's getting D's. We don't know. <laughs> oh, poor thing. Um, I wonder if D's are feeling great at, at Riverdale High. Hmm, I don't know. Well, uh, I guess we should move on to our other sort of father figure um, plot line, which is well, Jughead. Um, we're not done with Archie, though. Oh, yes. Sorry. Um, all right, so next, um, we're on the basketball court, and Archie is ready to play. And Julian is very upset about this. He has a lot that he complains about. But Uncle Frank is willing to let Archie play, and Archie shows that he can make a basket, unlike Dilton from last episode. <laughs> <laughs> and... Archie in this moment earns Frank's respect. So it was interesting because in the like uh, what he says to Frank, he's like, I'm not doing this for you. I'm doing it for myself and for my mom and for my dad. And Frank says, I respect that. And then so for a moment they're they're cool until the end of the episode where of course then Archie's in trouble again. Yeah, that didn't last very long. But I was also kind of like, okay, are we really that surprised that Archie's good at basketball? I mean, like, I mean, every sport this man has ever tried. I mean, as a comic book fan, yes, I am surprised because Archie in the comic books is not a a jock. Like, he... Really? Like, I mean, most of the time he's not. Like, he does play sports, but he's usually a klutz. Like, he's always, like, causing a scene fumbling a ball or whatever you know like like he's very clumsy which like i said they never really do that on the show on the show he's definitely a jock like he's good at all this. he's he's he into football he talked about how it was uh um what did he say about football and the prison <laughs> the highs and lows of high school football yeah he always uh waxes on about the highs and lows of high school football <laughs> Well, he loves it. He definitely loves it. Fifties uh, Archie wrestling, but fifties Archie's gonna do basketball. basketball. So we'll definitely see more of that. I think when Reggie comes. Um, but yeah, that concludes the Archie plot. Any other thoughts about that? Yeah, I mean, it is. You know, you know, we brought this up a little bit earlier. I think it is interesting how there is kind of a parallel between this and the and the jughead plot line at least that's kind of how i viewed it um was like 
you know, these are both kind of like, they're kind of father figures, but also kind of not. They're failed father figures. Mm-hmm. Perhaps Uncle Frank will have a chance to redeem himself. I don't think uh, Brad Rayberry is going to have a chance to to redeem himself. But, um, yeah, so right. Jughead uh, you, gets wanna, in with... Do you want to talk about the Jughead plot? Yeah, sure. So Jughead... Um, is you know still working with pep comics unfortunately of course that editorial has come out from um from uh the werther's is that his name the school psychologist yeah Um, werther's has published this editorial and i got a shout out in the beginning of the episode jughead is just like sitting around in his long underwear like (laughs) comic books (laughs) and um he finds uh that some some of the comic books Pep Comics have published are almost word for word stories that Brad Rayberry told 10 years ago. And of course, Brad Rayberry is a uh, sort of portmanteau of, of, of Ray Bradbury. <laughs> I know it's hard to say the two names back to yeah, back. It's a real tongue twister there. <laughs> Yeah, I love Ray Bradbury, and so I was I was very excited to see him honored in this episode. I have no idea what he was like uh, interpersonally, so I don't know if this was accurate to his personality at all. I would assume not. Um, but, you know, we know that Jughead loves the, his writing because he writes a lot of, you know, science fiction and sort of horror stuff, and uh, much like Ray Bradbury. Um, yeah. So then, uh... so this was weird to me because um, then Jughead goes to Pep Comic Books and he accuses them of plagiarism, and um, his boss, uh, Mister Fieldstone, is very deflective. He's like, we don't use that word around here. Like, he's very upset about it. But then Jughead keeps pressing him, so Mister Fieldstone says. Brad Rayberry's story is called November County, and theirs was called November Country. Meanwhile, the actual Ray Bradbury story is called October Country. Yeah, I was like, I think that's I, I, it, the episode tripped me up. I was like, I read this, and it's October Country, or is it October <laughs> County? I feel like October County doesn't have as much of a ring to it, but. <laughs> um yes i i i want to say it's about like a scarecrow yeah i'm not too familiar with it but apparently whatever uh brad rayberry wrote uh mr fieldstone ultimately kind of has to admit yeah he kind of remembers reaching out to him about the rights but he never returned his call so he assumed he was dead and so he just published it and was getting away with it up till now which is funny because when this whole plot line started jughead was accusing them of plagiarism of like stealing his story now he's accusing <laughs> them of stealing other people's stories and yeah at the same time he's also celebrating the fact that his first comic book has been published with his name in it so it's like a little bit uh mixed motives like what are you doing jughead like do you like your job or do you hate it well i think that um certainly fieldstone's a complex morally gray character which i feel like riverdale sometimes has difficulty pulling off but in this instance i really like uh 
I really like him and I, I appreciate that they're that they're not just making him an unequivocally good boss. He's kind of like sleazy, but he's still likable sleazy. And I have to say, from experience, there have been times where I would kind of like try to examine a job I had from both angles to see, you know, is this a good job or is this a bad job? You know, like, do I want to be here? Do I want to not be here? You know? Yeah, well, then Jughead's like, maybe I should take matters into my own hand, uh, in my own hands. And um, even though Fieldstone wasn't able to get in contact with Rayberry, uh, Jughead somehow finds out where he lives. Um, and he tells him that he should sue Pep Comics. Uh, he gives uh, Rayberry a, a copy of, of one of the comic books that's plagiarized Rayberry's idea. And Rayberry takes it and he just slams the door in Jughead's face because he's a cranky old writer. Mm-hmm. I was surprised he didn't get the guy who played Jughead's granddad from season four, who's kind of the same kind of role. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. That's that's a good connection, actually. It, and I do enjoy it when they bring back characters, as we're going to see later in the next plot line. But uh yeah, new new actor does a good job job of being uh curmudgeonly or however you say that word. <laughs> yeah, does yeah. Good job of being an old man. Definitely. So, um, then back at Pep Comics, you know, Jughead sees the first printing of his issue. Um, Brad Rayberry shows up and he's angry, and Jughead of all people plays the mediator like he he makes a suggestion about how they can resolve this and then mr fieldstone and brad rayberry make a deal yeah and as a reward jughead and rayberry eat uh, at pops together which we know that jughead loves mm-hmm. and rayberry's like oh what does your dad think about you being a writer because mine always hated it and jughead's like oh well my father is uh he's in toledo um and that's he's, he he's split yeah, he split for Toledo after he was accused of a robbery. And, and then Rayberry kind of says, you should write about that. So that's something Jughead thinks about. Uh, but he also tells Rayberry that, uh, well, Rayberry asks him, do you write anything else other than funny books? And he says that he's written some short stories. Um, he says, if I wrote a short story, would you read it? And Rayberry jokes is like, oh no, but like actually he would. So um, this was an interesting scene because I think this is one of the first. Well, not no, I won't say that. This Rayberry definitely felt like kind of a new father figure for Jughead, who notably has no parents in this time. Um, I mean, so did Mister Fieldstone at one point, but right now, you know. He's on the outs, so. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, there's no doubt that he's looking out for himself. Um, and, and, you know, I totally agree with you. I think they were setting him, Rayberry, up to kind of be like a father figure. And I loved that fake out moment where Rayberry's like, a Jughead's like, would you be interested in reading one of my short stories? And Rayberry's like, we were doing so well. <laughs> and then he's like, I'm just kidding. Of course I would. Um, that, that was really funny. Um, but well, it kind of like points out where his insecurities are because like maybe he wasn't fully joking because we see later that you know he's very sensitive about writing and yes and the way people interact with him about 
writing. <laughs> yes. Um, but, uh, before we get to that, I do want to just mention again, like we had that scene where Jughead is typing. I think we see a picture of FP. It's kind of like a, it's kind of hard to see. I don't think that it's the actor, um, Skeet Ulrich, but um, could you see it? I actually didn't notice that at all. Um, yeah. And I know that uh, Skeet Ulrich, he left the show, right? Yeah. I mean, I do think that, you know, sometimes actors come back, at least for like one episode. That's what I'm hoping for. I would love it if he came back. I love him. I think he's a great actor. I will say about FP as a character, though. I remember season one. Okay. I'm not. I, 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 I won't forget. I remember that FP essentially made Jughead homeless with his alcoholism. And uh, I never forgave him. I know that he was like a, you know, I guess he was a, a I think a, a more likable character later on. But uh, once again, he's not being a great dad. <laughs> Yeah, like he's definitely, he was one of those characters who uh, went through a lot of different roles on the show, <laughs> to say the least. Yeah. How do you go from, you know, the town uh, loser, drunk, to like the sheriff? <laughs> and and leader of the gang in between and, and beforehand. And he was like, and he was like um moving dead bodies around for Hiram or not Hiram for for Clifford Blossom Mm. whatever like (laughs) and that's another good point which is that before we had Hiram Clifford basically played that role true yep so we'll see how much evil he's up to these days but to get back into this Jughead plot um, Jughead brings his short story to Rayberry and then when he's not looking, Jughead steals a manuscript that Rayberry has. Uh-oh. <laughs> I was actually kind of like, why why is he taking this? I wasn't really sure until we until we like got to the to the scene of, of Jughead um reading it and enjoying it, and then Jughead like telling Rayberry that he read it and enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I wasn't really 100% sure what was going on until then. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of, we don't really know his motive in the moment, but I did like how they showed the scene. Like, you could see him questioning, like, should I take it? Should I put it back? But ultimately, he does decide to take it. Yeah, maybe I'm just used to being spoon-fed by the Riverdale narrator, which is, of course, Jughead. (laughs) Right. Like, in this instance, he was keeping his thoughts to himself. (laughs) And... Then, yeah, what happens next is actually quite sad, which is that uh, Rayberry is really mad at Jughead for stealing the manuscript and, and telling him that he should publish it. Mm-hmm. So, so much for father figure. Yeah. Um, I was looking for something here. So, um, there was a scene where Jughead was reading the manuscript at his train car and uh, he was really excited about it. Uh, apparently it was a story called Jupiter journals. Oh, I think that's like, that's a, that's a uh, goof on, on the Martian Chronicles, which is a fantastic, like um, Ray Bradbury, like collection of interconnected, like short stories about, like 
Mars and like people like going to explore Mars and then all of this like really spooky stuff happens and it's like it goes through this whole like really long timeline of humans interacting with like Martian aliens basically it's such a fantastic uh book highly 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 recommend oh interesting um yeah I saw a tweet recently that on Netflix there was a show called Jupiter's Legacy and a, this show apparently cost 200 million to make but it was immediately canceled like one month after it was released um and this is a show that was based off of a comic book um so it was kind of a flop but I was wondering if it had anything to do with that um I don't know interesting I, I think your reference is probably the correct one if it's Ray Bradbury uh well it is Brad Rayberry so <laughs> <laughs> uh so this story like you said Jughead is excited about it. he wants uh Brad to publish it but Brad is very angry he's like you're just like the rest of them kick him out um any other thoughts about that. I just feel bad for Jughead, you know, like you said, he's kind of getting, uh, he's he keeps almost getting a father figure, and of course his actual dad is in Toledo, um, yeah, and that, and he's not, he's not gonna get one, and also he's being, like, demonized in the press, and it seems like things are not gonna get better for him, because, yeah. uh, at the end, they, uh, confiscate the comic book that he wrote from some some kid and they're like Jughead wrote this I'm like I don't think this is gonna end well <laughs> yeah like uh that the teacher Mrs. Thornton returns and I was like I thought we liked Miss Thornton like she was the cool teacher who started the conversation about you know racism and and then now she's ratting out Jughead taking his comic book to Dr. Werther's I'm like oh man yeah, well, she is multifaceted, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of the end of Jughead's plotline for this episode. So now we move on to the final plotline, I believe. Yes, Cher- uh, Cheryl and Tony. Which is kind of the culmination of a, a larger arc that's been building up over the season. Mm-hmm. Um, uh- it actually picks up where the, where the last episode left off. Which is uh, Cheryl returning Tony's sexy lesbian book. Yeah, the the cost of pepper. <laughs> um, but she doesn't have much to say about it other than the fact that she liked the cover that showed two voluptuous women in proximity to each other. <laughs> hey, you know like, did what? Did she even that's, read this book? That's you no. Know, it doesn't seem like she did. But Cheryl's too busy to read. She's busy sitting in in candlelit rooms in her mansion. Um, <laughs> and you know, uh, Cheryl is right. That's sort of the appeal of Riverdale. I think also is is you get to see lots of voluptuous feminine figures next to each other, as well as and we KJ know Appa. And we know Cheryl loves loves painting uh, voluptuous women as well. Uh, oh yeah, we know that. But so Tony invites. Uh, Cheryl to the dark room where they can discuss it more but of course like you said Cheryl doesn't have time for reading or talking about books she needs to go get get going with the cheerleaders and the vixens um she says I would invite you Tony but I don't know if a greaser girl like you would be into it 
<laughs> it would be too square for her. Yeah. But as it turns out, it is not too yeah. square for her. So of course Tony makes her fabulous interest entrance to uh to that song. It's too darn hot. And um Cheryl's really into it. And surprisingly, we see Evelyn Evernever as one of the Vixens. I was I was super excited to see the reappearance of Evelyn Evernever. I love her. Um, although she is a little, she's, well, not a little, she's very homophobic in this episode. <laughs> very. And also, like, this is another one of Riverdale's questionable choices. Like, it's, it's bad enough that we have Julian here with no explanation, like, why Julian instead of Jason? But on top of that, now we have Evelyn. When last we heard of her, she was not the daughter of Edgar Evernever, but his wife, and she was like 30 years old, and she was pretending to be a high schooler, and she had like kidney problems, and she was like trying to trick people to join their cult so that she could harvest their organs. Like, <laughs> what was all that about? And how much of that is transferred over to the 50s? <laughs> That's a great question. I did not consider it. I was just like, ooh, Evelyn's, Evelyn's here. Yay. <laughs> I don't know. I just love her actress. She's just like every scene she's in. I feel like she's just really killing it. I don't know. I love her vibe. Yeah, she's ma- so like she does something really funny with like her face and her eyes where she's just like or like the way that she talks. She just sounds so I don't know. Yeah, Maybe we're just meant to like roll with it and see where this goes. <laughs> I mean, rolling with it is never a bad option when it comes to Riverdale. But I, I definitely agree with you. I have some very big questions about what sorts of things carried over because like you know if people's sexualities carried over uh and most of their ages seem to have carried over well i guess that's not true because they all got sent back in the time jump but then evelyn when they were in high school as you say she was 30 and harvesting organs so one one wonders, one certainly wonders. But in this episode, she's just kind of being homophobic. Yeah, she's just, we, we just have to believe that she's a teenage girl who's homophobic. And that's it. Yeah, because <laughs> then she goes and visits Cheryl in her dark mansion um, with the fireplace roaring and all the candelabras out uh, to complain about Tony. Uh... <laughs> yeah, she says that she's a quote unquote lezzy. But Cheryl shuts her down. She's like, I don't believe that for one second. And um, whatever that is, like, I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and she, and then she, it was hilarious when she sends her home. She's like, now you need to leave because Omiha is about to come on and you are not invited to watch it with me. <laughs> I know. I was like, Evelyn's letting Cheryl treat her like this? Well, Cheryl but, has always treated her her minions like that. Like that's nothing new. That's that's true. That's true. <laughs> but um, next, Tony is at the dark room and she has a chat with Lizzo uh, about like Lizzo can tell that Tony has been chasing Cheryl. And but, go ahead. I was going to say, but Tony also gives another reason for why she's joined the Vixens. Mm-hmm. And she says that she is uh, Riverdale High's first black cheerleader, which should mean something to to people, or at least it means something to Tony. And Lizzo's like, 
yeah sure <laughs> yeah no Lizzo so she had that tracks like it seems like she knows Tony very well like she's not surprised that 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 um that Tony would want to assert herself this way to like achieve something new for you know the society at the time um so that was interesting but then she, Lizzo had this really funny line. She talks about Cheryl. She says, I don't blame you for uh, chasing her. That's one cherry lollipop I'd happily lick. <laughs> My goodness, Riverdale. <laughs> uh, uh, like, all, the, all these 50s lines are ridiculous. Like Earlier she says, the scuttlebutt is you're a paper shaker now. I know. I was obsessed with that. I was obsessed. <laughs> I need to start incorporating scuttlebutt into my day-to-day uh, conversations. Yeah, like I've never heard a cheerleader called a paper shaker, but Mm-mm. I get it. <laughs> I dig it. So next, Evelyn is snooping in Tony's locker and finds the lesbian book. But Tony catches her. And Tony has just gotten out of the showers, like wrapped in a towel. Mm-hmm, and... uh and Evelyn gets on her high horse. She's like, I was right. I knew you had lesby books and such and such. And then Tony's like, well, I read all kinds of books. So what's your problem? Like, leave me alone. <laughs> yeah. She loves literature. Yeah. Of all kinds. <laughs> um, and then I guess this is when Evelyn says to Tony that uh, Cheryl uh, claimed that Tony was not attracted to women, which... Tony actually takes offense to, and this I thought was a bit strange, mm-hmm. um, which is that Tony confronts Cheryl and is like, don't tell people I'm not attracted to women, which I get. But then also at the same time, it's the 1950s. Right. And she didn't necessarily like, I feel like it's safe of Cheryl to be like, oh, I shouldn't, shouldn't assume you're out, especially talking to someone who's very obviously homophobic. Mm-hmm. So. Love you, Tony, but I think Cheryl's perhaps looking out for your best interests here. And even if it was the wrong thing to do, like you can maybe say it a little bit nicer. Yeah, it was interesting. Like she definitely uh, came up to Cheryl and uh, laid down the law. Like, like don't um, speak for me about this. Like, don't try to tell people I'm something that I'm not. And and she basically says, you know. I'm done. Like, I'm not going to chase you anymore. Like, I'm tired of this. But that's where Cheryl finally confesses that she is attracted to girls and to Tony specifically. I thought this scene was actually really well done. Um, I don't know. It was just like, like I feel like uh, Cheryl's actress, Madeline, was was doing a really fantastic job. It felt like a really good build up. I feel like a lot of the time in Riverdale, we just kind of get like, oh, they're really attracted to each other and then they just lean in and kiss and then the clothes go flying everywhere. Mm-hmm. And this, for me, uh, struck more of a, almost a realistic nerve and it actually was a bit, like, made me a little bit emotional, which I'm not really used to, to Riverdale doing. And I was like, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, like, this is a realistic high school. Like, there's there's an element of fear to it and vulnerability, um, but there's also an element of hope and, and relief. And I thought that was really nice and really well done. Um, yeah. yeah. And, then, and then they go to the dark room and ta- talk even more. Like they get more vulnerable with each other. They share a lot about, you know, how they feel and where they came from. Although 
Tony does out Kevin and Clay. She's like, and Cheryl's like, wait, Kevin and Clay are also? And then Tony's like, yeah, but not many people know about them. Like, so don't go around <laughs> quoting it. <laughs> I know. I'm like, again, Tony, I love you, but but perhaps you should know better but i don't know maybe something was set off screen or something i don't know and kevin and clay aren't even in this episode like like you said they got sidelined after yes this is what i was gonna say was that i think that my prediction about them being sidelined now that they're together is going to come true well i mean they could come back but you know uh, uh, we'll talk about that later. But um, <laughs> for now, we're, we've got Cheryl and Tony. And um, Cheryl talks about a memory of her Aunt Carol uh, moving to Greenwich Village to be a writer uh, after her mother called her awful things like a sapphic sexual deviant. <laughs> and that was around the time that she started realizing that maybe she was like Aunt Carol. And like Carol, I think, is a reference to that story not the cost of pepper but the price of salt because i think the main character or one of the main characters is named carol because like they made a movie about this starring i want to say jessica chastain um do you, are you familiar with that movie carol oh uh isn't it starring kate blanchett kate blanchett my bad yes kate blanchett not jessica chastain I've never seen it, so there's but, a lot of, like, classic movies in my repertoire, um, especially, like, classic gay movies that, like, on Tumblr back in the day when I was, like, a 13-year-old or whatever, everyone was like, you gotta watch, uh, you know, Brokeback Mountain, Carol, uh, there were a bunch of other ones, too, Blue is the Warmest Color, whatever, um, didn't watch most of them. I don't have the attention span for, for movies. Only 45-minute-long Riverdale episodes. <laughs> uh, I've seen Brokeback Mountain. I haven't seen Carol. Um, but apparently, like, that is the story that they were reading. Although, I, we, can, we can probably assume that Cheryl's aunt Carol is different and not, like, the subject of the story. That would be a little meta. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, anyway, so then Tony talks about her family situation. And she talks about how her parents were not accepting of her. And they kicked her out of the house when after they caught her necking with her neighbor, Glenda, when she was 13. <laughs> and so then she moved in with her grandma. And her grandma approves more or less <laughs> yeah interesting i was kind of like oh is real going to go into this complexity you know like sometimes family members are trying their best and and they want to be supportive but they don't always get it um so it might be kind of interesting to see if they if they go into that more but i also really liked that they made a very explicit you know that like tony was bisexual um she said this thing about liking both men and women and knowing that from a from a young age and i thought that was really nice as well mm-hmm and um, we have seen Tony's Nana um, in previous seasons. Uh, around the time they were graduating, I remember Tony's Nana came after Cheryl, not for being a lesbian, but for being a Blossom. Yes. <laughs> yeah. The bad like, blood between you the being blossoms. a woman, but a Blossom? All the bad blood between the Blossoms and the uh, Serpents or the uh, um, Topazes. 
Well, I mean, let's be realistic. The Blossoms and everybody. Right. Like, Mary was not a fan of them either. <laughs> yeah. And, of course, there was that whole drama between uh, the Coopers and the Blossoms. Uh, the, oh, yeah. the family was very <laughs> upset with Polly. So, um, so here we are again. Um, and so Cheryl and Tony are getting much closer. Um, and Cheryl says that she's ready to try something different than, than what she did with Archie. And Tony says that uh, she can dig that. Very cute. So um, I think there's only one more scene with them um, in the girls' locker room. Ooh. Have a big kiss. And That's the whole fandom sweet. exploded. <laughs> <laughs> Any thoughts there? I mean, I just really, I've enjoyed that they've stretched out this buildup over several episodes. Like I said, I think it's done a little more realistically and it was also more touching to me than these romance plot lines are probably for the obvious reason that it is also um, a bit more of a tricky situation to be in in the 50s. Um, you know, I, I am just hopeful that Cheryl will finally get her happy ending and she can just go back to being hbic um like the the queen that she is and i'm also hopeful i will say that uh tony does not get relegated to just sort of uh sitting in cheryl's bed as happened for for i think at least one season or that riverdale or that cheryl doesn't go back under like um self-imposed house arrest like (laughs) yeah like that was once she decided to not go to college and just stay in her house forever like that was when she really went off the deep end she loves those silk sheets and canopy beds and (laughs) candles there was one other scene where um cheryl's with the vixens and she's decided that tony will be at the top of the pyramid but um evelyn ever never is outraged but uh Cheryl says, if you don't like it, you can quit. (laughs) But then she decides to stay and then they just move on to whatever they were doing. As they like to do in Riverdale. Mm -hmm. Which, Uh, go ahead. Yeah, so I think that's about it for this plot line. Any other thoughts? No, I I was going to say, speaking of moving ahead um, sort of unceremoniously, uh, getting on to like the sort of the whole episode, I feel like they have not touched on Ethel once. Yes, I was going to say the same thing. Like a- another person who's been written out of the show at this moment. <laughs> Ethel. No Ethel, no Clay, no Kevin, um, no Fangs, no Midge. Well, Midge was there on the Vixens, but I don't think she had any lines. Midge was like, yay, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> Which makes sense. And I also, let me say, I love the cheerleading outfits. Love, love, love. Want that sweater so badly. Mm-hmm. Are Betty and Veronica on the cheer team? I can't tell. Um, That's a good question. I don't actually know. Like, we saw them in the gym. I don't know if we saw them on the team. Yeah, you think they got cut because they didn't do any uh, faux lesbian kissing like last time? <laughs> no, I think I think they could very well be on the team still. They just I don't know if they've shown it. Um, 
they might be too busy trying on lingerie. <laughs> right. It's buying on Archie. Yeah. Well, um, any other thoughts or theories about this episode before we rate it? Oh, well, I mean, they didn't really give us much to work with in, in the manner of, of mystery. Because, um, like I said, they've not talked about Ethel at all. She's still been kidnapped by nuns. No one cares anymore. <laughs> well, is Ray is Brad Rayberry a killer? Or does he have anything to do with the Milkman plot? Oh, do you think that's possible? Who knows? <laughs> Riverdale. <laughs> but I, I, I think I remember season five where... Where Jughead was talking to like a crazy old man who was like an artist and Betty was hunting down truckers and they had, they were two separate plots at the time, but eventually they came around to being the same plot. Oh my gosh. About who was the murderer, you know, and the Mothman. <laughs> yeah, I do not remember how that plot even resolved, to be quite honest with you. Like it was, it ultimately was a family of inbred people who weren't the Blossoms. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, every town has two family, uh, inbred families. <laughs> like, um, I-, I remember when I used to watch How to Get Away with Murder. I'm like, how many times are they gonna use this incest baby plot as like a serial killer? <laughs> <laughs> like, it's a thing that happens a lot on TV, apparently, but uh. Yeah, we're getting a little off topic, but all I'm saying is I wouldn't be surprised if Brad Rayberry kind of ends up having something to do with it. But again, my money's still on Bernie. (laughs) I would be interested if they incorporate Hal more into next episode. I might start to lean towards Hal, but I really, I still, I don't know. They're not really giving us a lot to work with, are they? Yeah, like I said, um, Hal and Clifford are both, you know, reasonable suspects. Although, um, I don't think that they're going to, like, forget about this storyline. They always bring stuff back eventually. Like, there's still plenty of episodes left. I'm confident they'll bring it back. Um, but but when, remember when they brought back the trash bag killer and then it turned out to be some rando? And I'm like, what was yeah. this? <laughs> What if they were just like, oh yeah, we oh it was just like some guy. <laughs> <laughs> they are so bad at like revealing these serial killers. I swear, like that made me so mad. I was like, we don't even get to find out who it was. Like I, me and my boyfriend have been theorizing the entire time. We were so excited to find out who it was, and then it was just some guy. We were like, wait, <laughs> they're not gonna reveal it. And I googled it. It was like, yeah, he's just some guy. <laughs> I'm mad when they pick a, a random character from the cast. I'm mad when they pick a random character who's not part of the cast. Like, like I just want them to like plan ahead and be like, "This is it." No, they. It's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> they well, can't do it. They, they kind of did they it. Don't with, know where it's going. They kind of did it with Penelope. Like, I'll give them that. Like, Penelope was always questionable. And they yeah. kinda, in season three, I feel like they did accuse her and then they like backed down from it and then she ended up being the gargoyle queen king i don't know (laughs) (laughs) yeah don't ask me to to recap uh (laughs) riverdale plot lines all i know is she was like a prostitute or a pimp at one point she's she's done so many things again she really is a woman of many talents like fp and alice like all these parents like they they 
wear many hats. <laughs> yeah. Not all of them suitable to parenthood, but I remember when Penelope wore that like fake half mask like like the family opera at her <gasps> bordello. <laughs> now that that was a sleigh. I loved that. <laughs> oh goodness. Well, um we haven't even suspected Penelope of being a murderess in this timeline, but she could be. She could be, yeah. I don't know. I she's not really one to kill for the sake of kill well. That's not true. Um, but I feel like she's very goal-oriented. I, I mean, if while we're talking about this, I still wonder back to like that whole Midnight Club episode where, where they had the big party at the school and some of the, their friends were murdered. None of their friends were murdered, but the principal, Featherhead, back then was murdered. And... Um, it must have been Penelope, although she denied it at the time. But she was the one most insistent that they like don't tell the cops, like they don't admit to even being there. Um, yeah. So all I'm saying is that like I just don't even know the depths of her villainy. Like she is wild. <laughs> I do love her. I do love her. Although another homophobic character. <laughs> true, true. Um, deeply homophobic. Like she's tormented Cheryl in so many ways over the Yeah. Homophobic in the in the twenty first century timeline as well. <laughs> but my other question is in the old timeline, did Penelope kill Hal? Hmm. Or was he did he survive that? I think he, she shot him. I guess we'll never know. I don't... I gotta be honest. I stopped caring about what happened to Hal. I was like, <laughs> you do not interest me at all. Yeah. I mean, I don't blame you. I think uh, it would be kind of cool if she killed him. I mean... I thought we... I think he, we already thought he was dead till he came back and was, like, killing... And then did he kill... Uh, what was his name? Chip? Oh, yeah, Chick. I... Chick. The, the the fake Charles. Yeah, Chick the fake Charles, who was dating the real Charles, which is still... Are we, gonna, are we gonna see them this season? Do you think... Oh, I really hope so, because let me tell you something. Chick, Chick's actor, he's scared. He, he had really creepy vibes. They chose a really good guy to act Chick's part, because... He gave me the heebie-jeebies every time he came on screen. I'm sure he's a perfectly nice guy in real life, but he was killing that in the sole sense that I did not like him at all. Yeah, he was very creepy. And then apparently, though, in real life, he's a great guy. All the actors on the show love him. Like he would be at all the parties, hanging out with him, and like. You know? <laughs> I mean, that's great. I hope I hope one or both of them comes back because I love that funny like like the pretend brother and the real brother and also like the like they're dating and also they're like criminals together and also the real brother is the son of alice cooper and fp which means that betty and jughead have a, a half sibling in common mm-hmm. that's just such a fun little tangle of of riverdale mess i love it oh wow yeah like that now that you reminded me of all that like yeah that was a huge mess like i'm trying to that's another serial killer. I don't quite know if I buy it or not. The twist. 
But I mean, I guess I don't know what to say about that. I was very <laughs> mad at the time because I remember in season two, they did a fake out FBI plot. Where the- yes, you're right. <laughs> and I was like, they're not going to do this to me again. Where like, But they did. Well, they didn't because he was a real. I guess, yeah. Charles yeah, was right. a real FBI agent, even though if all he did was like make teenagers solve all the crimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he wasn't very a good FBI agent. Hey, look, we know that Riverdale's not getting funded by the Pentagon because they do nothing but make the FBI look incredibly incompetent. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, yeah, we have this weird. The FBI guy who approached um, Archie, what an incompetent FBI agent. He was like, if you don't, if you don't uh, tell on Hiram for us, uh, blah, 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 blah. I don't even remember what he threatened to do. But it made sense in the end when he turned out to be fake. Like, he wasn't a real FBI agent. But, it did, yes. But it did Charles, make sense. Though, I'm just like, I guess I just wanted to believe that he was decent for a while. I mean, it's more fun when he's crazy, but it just was a sh- sharp turn for me. And then I he- mean, <laughs> the reveal when Charles goes to the prison and is like, I love you, babe, to chick. <laughs> now, that happened early on before we knew he was the serial killer. And like, we didn't know if that was like honest or a lie. But I, I always it took it at honest. face value because <laughs> yeah. Riverdale. Right. Like, they're not usually that subtle. Um, I was like, the, the, I cannot believe I cannot believe they wrote this into it that they're dating. And it's so weird to date someone who would impersonate you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, this show is wild. <laughs> so back to this episode. Is it a 10? Mm. Well, I've just relived with you some of my favorite Riverdale plots, and uh, this was not one of them. This was not crazy enough. It was not zany enough. Um, and I think also compared to last episode, I didn't think that they took as many like risks with the writing, the format, the the cinematography. Um, obviously, everyone did a great job. It was a it was a a well done and enjoyable episode as as it usually is. Um, and I, I, I said before that I really enjoyed the Cheryl and Tony plotline. I also enjoyed the Betty and Veronica plotline. But as far as they go, I would say pretty me- mid, pretty mediocre. So I'm going to give it a score that reflects that. I'm going to give it a, a 5 out of 10. Okay. Um, and yeah, I, I get that. I mean, um, it I did initially have the impression, like, this does seem a little more tame, at least compared to last episode you know, which was kind of wild, but, but this episode actually moved the plot more, um, so you gotta give it some credit for that, I mean, um, you know, I don't know how to rate this episode, like, it seemed tame, but it, it was still kind of wild in its own way, like, um, just like the whole plot of the peep show i'm like <laughs> like they were milking every last bit of like sexiness they could get out of this while also trying to keep it fairly innocent like you're right it did have that classic riverdale uh sex appeal like it was ridiculous but also like horny and like why am i seeing like archie's pubes like <laughs> what's going on here this is wild 
Um, and I guess Tony fans are very happy with their kiss. They got to kiss this episode finally after a while. But I don't know. I just feel like it is starting to become the Barchi Shoney show. And maybe Jughead's up to something. Maybe. <laughs> but it's like, other than that, I'm like a little annoyed that other characters are getting sidelined so much. Um, I'm going to give it a seven. Okay. Like, it was entertaining, but it was like probably one of the least entertaining of the season so far for me. But it was still good. I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just happy to have to have Riverdale episodes at all. Because soon we won't. And it had some touching moments. Like, I think Archie redeemed himself by expressing his feelings about losing his dad and doing it in a sincere way that the fake Archie from last episode did not do. You know, like, I was mad at him. I was mad at the, the fictional Archie there. But this pseudo-real Archie, you know, he was, you know, the right one. You know what I'm saying? Like, he was not an asshole. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I like seeing Betty and Veronica up to hijinks. Although, again, that would have been Kevin in the other timeline. Yeah, maybe that's not, a good point. Maybe not necessarily with all the lingerie stuff, but like, Kevin was definitely in her room looking at Archie with her. <laughs> Archie got hot. Yeah. Can't blame him. <laughs> and one more thing I have to say about this episode. We know that ever since season one, Riverdale has leapt at every opportunity to show Archie shirtless. <laughs> and in this episode alone, he had at least three shirtless scenes. The final scene where he and Betty take turns stripping off one piece of clothing at a time kind of made me think about society's double standard for nipple exposure. And I was wondering, can we talk about this? Because I don't understand why women's nipples are taboo and men's aren't. Now, I'm not saying that the show should have shown any more or less skin than they did. But I feel like since the 2000s, at least, it seems like men are being more objectified than women in mainstream media. Like, I know every superhero movie has at least one male shirtless scene. And Tom Welling, who played Clark Kent on the CW Smallville back in the day, has spoken out about how much he pushed back against having too many shirtless scenes. So maybe K.J. Apple is more comfortable with it. I don't know. But I'm sure the poor man has probably been on a really strict diet and exercise routine for years. He looks great. But I just can't help but notice the double standard here. And I was wondering, do you have any thoughts about it? Um, this is one of those things I've never thought that uh, that seriously about, which is a bit <laughs> funny. But uh, definitely, you know, everyone in Riverdale in general is, I mean, they're actors, right? They <laughs> all look very, very good. They are above average for the population <laughs> in general um, in terms of appearance. Um KJ Apa is certainly being held to a high standard. Um, and I don't know if it's if it's him holding himself to that standard or if it's, you know, the the showrunners. Um, but he 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 looks very good, but he also does he look like a high schooler? No. <laughs> um, and I actually saw a, like a post on on Reddit, like the Riverdale subreddit today, 
um, that was like Riverdale and sexualizing teenagers. And, you know, I think we have this discussion like all the time in the Riverdale fandom, Mm -hmm. which is like another complexity of of this conversation. Mm -hmm. Is it sexualizing teenagers? Because they are supposed to be teenagers, but they don't look like teenagers and the actors aren't teenagers. Well, um, if we blame Riverdale for this, we I feel like we can't blame Riverdale alone because so many shows and movies ever since they started making them about teenagers, they when they cast adults, that's kind of their excuse for getting away with sexualizing them, I think. Um and you know, some people love it, some people hate it. Um I've definitely had mixed feelings in regards to this show, but my question on in this instance is about like female nudity. Like I'm not saying they, that Lily Reinhardt needs to show her nipples or, or Camilla Mendez or anything, but I'm just saying that, you know, we haven't seen any female nipples on the show, and, but we have seen a lot of male nipples. <laughs> not to make it all about nipples. I'm just, <laughs> it just seems like a weird double standard when you think about it. Like, I think maybe if this was a French show, Maybe they could uh, have equal opportunity, <laughs> or maybe, uh, or maybe they shouldn't show anyone's nipples. I don't know. I think this is hard because those like gender double standards. It's always going to be hard to determine who, I guess, like quote unquote, has it worse. And I guess the answer is that like making those gender distinctions are embedded very deeply in our culture, but maybe not good for any of us right it's kind of like that argument you know my brother and I used to have this argument where we'd be like is it is it worse to be a man or a woman he'd point out you know like our grandfather would make him go like help him do all these all these like chores that involved like manual labor I didn't have to do any of that stuff he was like oh well men will hold the doors open for you and I was like and in some ways this people assuming that you can't or or won't do that work is infantilizing and then also at the same time you know who's helping out in the kitchen who's cleaning the dishes that's Mm -hmm. me and i don't know it's weird because that split that double standard it's hard to 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 make any i guess like normative claims about it um but it's definitely you know riverdale riverdale is a show about extremely gendered people it is not a gender non-conforming show it does not really have gender non-conforming characters uh mm-hmm. and that's fine that's totally fine but it, it doesn't it doesn't surprise me that they're going along with with the with the norm that they don't want to make waves i think in this instance well shout out to chilling adventures of sabrina for having a uh non-binary actor and um a uh, trans storyline um i think that riverdale i don't think riverdale is doing anything particularly egregious as far oh, not at all not at all you know media but i do think that it is perpetuating current trends and um you know i i don't necessarily have an opinion i just i just feel like it's an observation i like i mean i do kind of feel like as a man as a queer man that you know when mainstream media 
like goes to all this effort to show like shirtless men who are like jacked <laughs> it does kind of promote uh you know unhealthy body standards for men in the same way that i'm sure women also face similar uh concerns um but i just kind of feel like you know like i mean we haven't even had the abs conversation <laughs> <laughs> but um but i'm just saying uh you know it is it was very noticeable this episode because because Betty and Archie were kind of both undressing together. But once again, we see more of Archie than Betty. And like, I just wanted to bring that up, start the conversation. <laughs> um, yeah, again, I don't know if there's a solution or, uh, or if there's even necessarily a problem, but um, it stood out to me. Like, we didn't have a lot of, issues this episode like you know other episodes we've talked about race we've talked about sexuality we've talked about you know um, yeah, 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 violence <laughs> I just wanted to throw something something in there <laughs> I think it's an interesting conversation to start oh thanks Archie's nipples <laughs> yeah yeah I guess that's about all I have to say for this episode it, it had some moments it didn't get peak Riverdale like I think it didn't have any of the the murder intrigue that we're used to. <laughs> so maybe next episode. Um, although next episode, it looks like from the promo, it's going to be a TV dance contest, kind of like in Hairspray. Um, something bad happens. We don't know what. Do you think it'll happen at the end of the episode like this, like this episode did with the promo? Oh, I hope they don't keep stringing us along. I want to see some more blood, Riverdale. I I mean, it could happen. Like, every time there's a show, that's when Hal likes to, like, do a theatrical murder. Oh, true. Maybe they'll, like, uh, spin the stage around or something and then reveal uh, one of the dancers' bodies pinned up with knives again. Maybe. I mean, for me, that's, that is the lowest moment of Riverdale. Like, I was so mad at that. So <laughs> Midge dying? Yes. <laughs> I don't think they're setting up Midge to die in this one, to be honest. She's pregnant. Protect Midge. She's a <laughs> Yeah, I don't think they would kill someone who's pregnant. <laughs> um, I- I'm excited to see what this next episode will bring. Um, yes, me too. And it looks like Archie's going to do some more dancing. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> All right. Um, so is there any other media that you'd like to shout out? Um, well, I mean, you guys know about my YouTube channel with one video on it. I'm thinking about maybe adding some more stuff uh, as soon as I have some more free time, which might be soon. Um, So we'll see. Some Riverdale related, some not, some more on the analytical side like I produced earlier, uh, some Riverdale related and a bit goofier. And by goofier, I, that's a very, very, very low bar for, for, for me. Mm-hmm. Um, But yeah, so stay tuned i guess i'll keep everyone updated okay but that's pretty much it for me okay um i do have a couple things i want to shout out um this weekend is free comic book day so if if anyone is a comic book fan um check out your local comic book store if you have one because they're probably going to be celebrating free comic book day if you're not aware, Free Comic Book Day is a day where not all the comics are free, but 
but there are a few select comic books that are brand new and free for people to uh, take. And um, it's also a great opportunity to just support your local store. Like if you do want to buy something, it's a great time to do so. Um, And I'm excited. Like it's only once a year, you know, Um, I'm definitely going to check out my local comic book stores, see what's up. Um, Yeah. Uh, And speaking of comic books, um, there are some good ones out. Um, I've been hearing a lot of buzz about Batman. I think he had a 900th issue. Oh, wow. So and that's just of the Batman title. Like there's a bunch of other Batman titles. I think another one hit like the detective comics hit a thousand years ago, but um, you know, so there's a whole bunch of Batman comic books, but the, the most recent one has been getting a lot of good buzz. Um, I haven't read it yet, um, but people are saying it's the must read comic of 2023. Um, ooh, some other big news I forgot to mention. Jim Lee is now uh, the head of DC. Um, so for fans of comic books, you may know him as a longtime artist. And um, now he's the chief creative officer of DC Comics. So that's pretty cool. Um, what else? What else? Oh, I, I, I'm continuing to watch Tom Swift um, and also Bel Air and Schmigadoon. <laughs> so those are some fun shows I recommend. Um, Great. And I think that's about it. So um, thank you so much, Candy, for joining me on this Riverdale review. And thanks to everyone listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please like, subscribe, rate, and review us on your app of choice. We are currently on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, but you can also find us on Twitter, Reddit, and now Instagram. Just search DMV Comic Book Nerds and tell us what you think. Your feedback and engagement means so much to us. And we hope to catch you next time, Riverdalians. Can you dig it? <laughs> Goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.